Hey Cliff, how's it going? Well, I guess we might as well start. We got a few people watching. So, welcome to, I think this is our fifth episode of Gears and Beers. I believe so. Yeah, um, not gonna lie, I had an introduction lined up and then I, yeah, brain just shitting out right uh, now. It's not as easy <laughs> as it looks, is it, Box? I've actually done quite a few, Sam, and this is the only, the first time that I've had a brain fart, so. Oh, that is not true, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, but, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not exactly enthusiastic, real, really tonight, although I am glad to be here. What about the rest of you guys? Are you well, guys enthusiastic? <laughs> no, you 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 suck. I'm I'm doing fantastic today. Oh, that's a am, first. Uh, no, actually, uh, drinking a little bit of uh, actually, uh, is it Miles? It's gonna give me shit. Um, little screwball on the rocks. Oh man, it's it's like it's like candy. It's just absolutely delicious. I love it. Um, but I've been uh today. I've been seracoding for what since 2016. So you know three, four years. Today is the first time, the first time that I've actually laid down a multi-cam paint job and I was happy with it. Wow. I, I, for whatever reason, I suck at, at multi-cam. I mean, I've always been, I can always, they're, they're decent quality. You know, I can't, I can still put them out there, but I've never been happy with them. And today I was actually like stoked about it. I did a black multi-cam. So I am feeling fantastic. For some reason, that doesn't sound impressive at all. I'm sure it is actually a feat, but it just doesn't sound impressive. You're like, I did a camo paint job for once. No, it's not. It's not. A, <laughs> it's not impressive. It's it's pathetic. You guys have seen all the shit that I typically can put out. You know, no problem. But for whatever reason, I have like a mental block when it comes to multicam. That's why I just don't. I haven't done much of it. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Well, that's awesome. What about the other two guys? Anybody? Are they even yeah. still here? Bueller. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure this stupid thing out. Figure what out? Uh, he's trying to how get we... into the live, apparently. Yeah, and it's not working. Oh, we're off Johnson, to an Johnson, awesome start. You Johnson, <laughs> not so can you sure, hear us? Not so sure Johnson is here. Yet. Is Johnson not oh, here? I always hit mute because... Box always complains about my clicky mic, so I always forget. I, I complained about it once. Twice. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> that, so that constitutes always. <laughs> but, no, I'm doing all right. Just uh, I have to deal with stupid people sometimes. It makes me angry. Only but, sometimes. Well, you lucky bastard. Yeah, sometimes I'm, I work from home now, so it's a lot easier to stay away from stupid people. But. Yeah, you know, I uh, my lawnmower decided to just about break in half about three quarters of the way through my yard on Monday. So I got I got parts in today and uh, got that fixed. So that put me in a little better mood that my mower's fixed. How does a how does a lawnmower break in half? So it's a like a zero turn. So there's a hydraulic motor on each rear wheel. There's a like a metal cross brace that goes between the two well when one side of that snaps clean off the tires go from this to one tire going like this <laughs> and it Lovely. shreds the drive belt into a million pieces and stops you right where the hell you are 
Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. So oh. overnight, like, had Colin overnight me like $200 worth of parts to get the piece of shit back together so I could move it even. <laughs> Sounds fun. Well, I, I, uh, before we dive into this, I, I actually grilled up some freaking country style ribs. You know, you got, you know, what country style ribs are Johnson. They're like, yep. what I'm exactly does country style mean though? I have no idea. So um, how do you know they're a country style? Cause that's what it said on the package. <laughs> <laughs> so no. Pre-season pre-done is what you're telling. No, no, no. They're, um, they're, what they are is just like basically rib meat. Some of them have ribs in them and some of them don't. Some of them, you know, but they're just big ass slabs of meat. They're freaking delicious. You can get a whole package of them for like usually four or five bucks. And they'll they make like three meals for me. Uh, so anyway, I, I grilled them up before we before we came in here and started the live. And I wrapped them up and put them in a towel so they'll be nice and warm still when I uh, when we get out of here and I'm half popped looking for supper. I'm pretty stoked about it. You got a real drinking problem, Sam. We're on a we're on a, a podcast called Gears and Beers. Yeah, it's only right. Are we all drinking, by the way? Johnson, do you have a drink? I think Toad does. Yeah, I do. What are you, Toad, let me guess. Toad's, Toad's drinking vodka. Yep. Yep. That, inter, that intervention's becoming a little bit more imminent. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's the first one I've had in two weeks. All right, yeah. I've, lo- I've, lo- I've, I've lost ten pounds, and I deserve a treat. Ten pounds, holy shit! Yeah. Okay. Well, even though I am not exactly enthusiastic about this whole podcast tonight, I am kind of enthusiastic about something else. I finally got—I ordered a trigger from Primary Arms for my M and P a couple of weeks ago, and it got bounced around the United States for a while, and it finally showed up this week, and I put it in. Uh, Monday night, I believe. I got an Apex Tactical. Maybe you guys... Oh, yeah. Look at that. It's just gorgeous. What it, exactly is it? it this, is, this, this is Apex Tactical, the Duty Carry series. So it's it's actually a little bit... Duty. Heavy, yeah, Duty. It's actually a little bit heavier pull weight than the factory. I might put the factory's trigger spring back in it. I'm not sure. It's not... It might not even be any heavier. There's just a different feel to it because it's just a different shape trigger. I don't know. But it is a whole lot smoother than the factory one. And it doesn't have the stupid split in the middle. Yeah. I don't like that, the whole hinge trigger thing. Yeah, I don't either. I'm excited. What what shape? I can't see it. What shape is it? A flat or? No, it's not flat, but it's it's like in between a flat and a hinge in the center i put it back up there i don't know maybe it'll show up on your screen in 10 minutes sam i don't know (laughs) (laughs) doubtful the fire control unit x01 for the p320 i don't i don't know what that is mike tharp i have a gray guns trigger in my p320 but i'm not sure i didn't know there was entire full fire control units that you could get for it but yeah there's Apex is a huge name when it comes to MMPs. I don't know about other models. I'm not even sure if they make triggers for other brands. Yeah, they do. Okay. But yeah, it's it's really nice. But it, what it bothers me is I'm in several Smith & Wesson groups on Facebook, and there's always, hey, I just bought my first Smith & Wesson. What 
do I need to do to it? And everyone's like immediately changed to an apex tactical trigger. I'm like, you haven't even shot the damn thing. Why do you, why do you have to go changing out the trigger? First off, the 2.0 triggers are actually pretty damn nice in, in these. Right. And this is, this was hundred some dollars. And I think the aluminum ones are like $130 for, for this style of trigger. I don't know if it's that different. I mean, I certainly don't regret buying it, but it's not something I would even, I would say you need this upgrade, even if, I don't, I don't know. The difference isn't that great to the point where I would think you need this upgrade. And it bothers me that people think you have to go upgrading something you haven't even shot before. I don't know. The difference isn't that great. Did, did it never, did it, did it not, does it not what? bother you? <laughs> does it not bother you to like in my carry guns i don't fuck with the with the Fuck trigger you. oh porky pig <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is going on johnson's laughing at my stuttering oh. <laughs> for some reason i didn't find it that way. i don't think it was that i didn't good. even notice it oh you're just used to it by now you've dealt with it for however many years um, but anyway, it doesn't like for me, my, my carry guns, the triggers stay stock. That's like one of the few parts about them that I'm not going to screw with that. That doesn't, that doesn't mess bother you at all though. Not in this case. No. Why? Why would it? Just because I don't like putting the aftermarket parts in my factory, in my factory gun, like, are you, does, are you, are you does, concerned does, about reliability? Yes. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, I wouldn't go buy some no-name trigger and throw it in. Apex is pretty reputable, and I'm fairly certain that I can trust these guys. Well, yeah, I agree. Apex is one of the one of the more reputable ones, but I just have a, and I'm not bashing you for it, but I I have a I have a strict rule. My triggers and my carry guns, you know, they they are what they are. That's but I know a lot of people, a lot of people are like, do like changing out their shit. Hell, James, I'm pretty sure he carries, um, I'm pretty sure he carries, uh, I can't remember what his trigger is in that Glock that he carries. Um, but, uh, Johnson, what about you? I just saw James's comment and, um, you're offended. You're a real dick there, Tulip. <laughs> <laughs> but, like I, for some reason, I can't even read the comments, but like, you know how you're looking at a video, there's always like that one comment down below and that's all I can see is James. <laughs> what, a, what an asshole. Like, <laughs> does he not, does he not typically clip his toenails or what? I guess I haven't even noticed. No, uh, James I, I says, definitely do. <laughs> James, James says his Glock has an apex, which is kind of what. So, yeah, I mean. I can see both sides of it. You want a little bit nicer trigger on your carry gun, but myself personally, I don't mind mine stay stock, but uh, Johnson, what about you? I'm pretty stock. The only thing I really change is like competition pistol, target pistols. You know, if, if it's going to be a carry gun, it's just, you're going to buy it and you're going to leave it, you know, maybe sites. That's about it, but nah, I don't. I don't buy into that whole thing. I, I, I carry. I mean, it's, not, it's not out of. I'm afraid that it's not going to be reliable. I just don't. 
I don't find it. I would rather invest my money in like a target gun that, you know what I mean? Versus something that is not going to get shot that much. And in my opinion, I'm not, I'm not an expert marksman by any means. So, you know, if I really need to use my firearm, if I've shot that gun with the factory trigger, I'm going to be able to shoot it with a factory trigger. I don't need an aftermarket trigger to be able to shoot it. Accurately, it's not necessarily about need, but I, I don't, I guess right. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to give yourself every possible advantage. Uh, that's right. why, that's why we carry guns. Right. Yeah, yeah, of course I'm not going to be going throwing around every possible upgrade that I can on this on this thing, but I'm right. going to do yeah. things that will give me the advantage. And I and I can see that. And I don't see anything wrong with it. I just don't I've never personally changed out a trigger on a carry gun. That's, you know, I'm not saying I'm totally against it. I'm not saying I wouldn't. It's just I I've, I've never done it, so I I don't know. I guess I I don't have really uh, strong opinion on it because and, and I haven't, you know, tried to change it out. I don't have a feeling against changing out the trigger, but well, for me, like I'm like I'm fixing on getting the 43x, um, and I will probably um, I'll mill the slide, put a put a Hollison um, red dot on it. Um, that doesn't bother me. I will probably stipple the frame, you know, just uh, that's, you know, that is what it is. But when it comes to the trigger, I'm not going to mess with that just because in box, I'm not, I'm not like saying you're wrong for doing it at all. This is just my personal opinion the way I view it. I'm not going to change out the trigger because the way it was designed was for that specific trigger. And they have Glock has their own um, tolerances of every, you know, everything they do. Apex has their own tolerances of everything they do. Just for me, I, I just want to stick to one, but, and I think it's more, I don't think it's more rooted in, I'm thinking it's going to fail or there's going to anything go wrong with it. I'm thinking it's just rooted in that's the way that I am. And there's not, there's not necessarily a, you know, reason, a lot of, a lot of well, there's a reason behind it, but I just other, well, I guess mostly the reason is I don't freaking want to, cause this is the way I think, but I'm not saying you're wrong for doing it at all. That's not no, that's say not I'm wrong. All you want. I'm I, I know I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's, I know there's both, there's both sides to it. You're saying, and I totally see your side. You're saying, why don't you give yourself every, every advantage? I can understand that. Um, I'm just saying I, I want my gun to to be 100% reliable and functional all the time. And that's the way that I view it is going to be the best way. That's just my personal personal opinion. So if it's the best, if it's factory, why have you done anything to the gun you shoot competitions with? Um, because that's a P80 gun. Can't you throw uh, all Glock parts in it? Uh, so... It you're not trusting your life with that one either, really. Mm, right. Yeah, but if if you're shooting better with all the yeah. stuff that you're throwing on it. Yeah. I don't know, dude. It's like I said, it's just uh, right. And we could argue all night about it, but I think at this point, it's just personal preference. Oh, no. Yeah, that's exactly. I'm not going to say there's a right or wrong on this. I'm not saying you guys are wrong. I'm just trying. I want people to see my side of it as well. 
I mean, yeah, yeah, I was the same way not that long ago that, hey, I mean, yeah, before I put this trigger in, I was a little skeptical. Hey, do I really want to do this and change out these, these parts in the gun that I carry every single day? But, nah, I've come around. Yeah. I don't know. My, my, you guys aren't going to be able to see me because I can't get it to work on the other phone and I don't have a camera on this one that works for the shit. But, uh, my, my carry gun came with a pretty decent camera. Say what? I what is Toad have I don't know. Spell? Something's seriously jacked up with my shit here. <laughs> Your carry gun came with, Your a, gun came with a nice camera. <laughs> what is happening? Are you having a stroke? Me. I don't think Toad's. I don't think he's all there. I don't, apparently, he can't hear us. No, I don't think he can hear us. Sorry, Toad. Uh, go get a go get a better internet connection. I think. Um. What he was, I think what he was saying was his carry gun came with a pretty decent trigger. Yeah. I think that's what he was trying to say. In between, he was also trying to work on his computer. Uh, yeah. And he pulled a Sam and, and strung two sentences together. Yeah. That's probably, uh, probably what was going uh, on. Isn't there. his carry in 1911? Yeah. Which, in, mm, yeah. Inherently, they do. I mean, you're, if we're being real about it, a 1911, you're always going to be able to have a better trigger in a 1911 than like a polymer frame striker fired gun. Okay, now I can hear you. Just that's just the way the shit, you know, just the way the trigger rides in the frame of the 1911. It's not like a hinging; it's just you're pushing straight back. Straight back, right? You know, it's just that's just the way it is. It's going to be a better trigger. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, for what I paid for it, it better have a nice trigger in it. Well, yeah, and I, we're just saying, you know, as far as 1911s versus like striker fired or hammer or other, you know, hammer fired guns. If it's not a pivoting trigger, it's gonna feel better than any pivoting trigger. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'll agree with yeah, that. Yeah, that, that trigger in my uh, TP9 SFX is actually pretty nice too. Yeah. That's, and that's not to say that you can't have a striker fired gun with a really, really nice trigger. There's a ton of them out there, but you're always going to be able to have a little bit better trigger on a 19. They're, they're just different. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm kind of like, gonna... like you, Box. Just, just a little yeah, bit a little different. Bit. Yeah. Actually, I was. This is now the nicest trigger that I have. Like you guys heard me ooh and all over my Styre trigger. Yeah. This is nicer than that trigger now. Pretty big fan of it. So yeah, it's in, it's cool. actually in your carry gun now. Yeah. Have you got out and shot it? I have not. Have you, you shot that stire very much? Have I what? Thank you. Have you shot your stire very much? Shut up about the stire, Toad. <laughs> <laughs> How about next range day? We have a um, box as the stire. I got that freaking. Uh, uh, Johnson, what do you have that you bought that you never shoot? I've got uh, that Springfield. Yeah, Toad's got a uh, well. His his range off his carry gun. He never freaking gets out and shoots it. So maybe well, we should... if we're if we're gonna do a competition with that, I'm gonna have to do like 17 tactical reloads in a row just to keep up. It'll be good for it. <laughs> That's fine. I've only got four mags for it. <laughs> but one of these range days, we should just do something like that. All the guns that we bought that we don't ever freaking shoot, um, slap those on there and 
go with those. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I agree. So uh, why don't we move on to Johnson? You wanted to talk about the Air Force's new survival rifle. Yes, the GAU 5A. Um, US Air Force, US Air Force started or decided to adopt this. Um, it's got, it's got like the the takedown barrel on it, and um, it's it, I don't know, it's kind of cool. It's there because they've always used like nine millimeter pistols and stuff as their emergency survival firearms in like their ejection seats and stuff. Um, so they, so they have upgraded and they, the basic reason for it was they wanted a little more extended range. So going from a nine millimeter pistol to, a you know, a 223 is a pretty substantial increase in accuracy and range. Um, so Midwest Industries, um, is putting these together <clears throat> And after so many people asking, like, I'm kind of into, like, the military clone rifles and stuff and people building, like, super correct clones of military guns, like the, you know, the Mark 12 Mod Zero and, like, night, some of the cool Knights Armament shit that's, like, really expensive and stuff and people trying to kind of clone that stuff. It's cool, but they, uh, Midwest Industry had so many people calling and asking about like parts that they just decided to um, offer it as a pistol to civilians. So it's it's got the it's got the quick takedown uh, setup on the barrel and everything. It's it's really neat. Um, I can't remember who makes who makes the. It's got a like a, even a folding pistol grip. So. It actually folds back, you know, from from the right. receiver. It kind of folds back towards the buffer tube. Um, so that's kind of cool. It's just it's you mean just, like a law tactical? No, he's talking no, about no, the pistol. The grip. actual pistol grip folds up. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's different. it's yeah, it's the Cry Havoc uh, quick release barrel system, and it's got like the folding the folding pistol grip. It's like a fab defense grip. It's, it's got a lot of cool parts on it and it's, you know, they're kind of pricey. They're like 1500 bucks, but they're, they're still think they're cool. <laughs> it does look, I like the rail on it. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty cool looking rail and uh, the quick detached barrel system. I don't, why isn't that a more prevalent thing in the industry? I mean, cause they've been around for a while now. Right. I mean, if it's a better attachment system, why isn't that a more prevalent deal, I wonder? I suppose it's just more expensive and more difficult to manufacture. Who said it's better? Or well, why would it be better? I'm not saying it's necessarily... Well, it's probably not as... I mean, but it's in, in, pistol, in pistol situations like this, um, you'd think you'd be seeing more of those in the pistol market, but... Um, no, I think it's a pretty cool. It's definitely a cool looking little gun. I wouldn't mind uh, building one, but I'm not going to buy it for fifteen hundred. I think the reason you're looking for there, Sam, is probably price. Well, probably. That's, not a lot of people are building 
high dollar pistols. Yeah. But there's a lot of people, there's a shit ton of people manufacturing them. I'm just saying it must be a lot more, um, a lot more difficult to manufacture yet. Um, they do, um, offer just an upper for $850. Oh, that's not that bad then. And that's a, it's, they're 12 and a half inch barrels. Yeah, that's actually 850. That's not that early. That not that horrible. Um, there's a lot of shit. There's a shit. There's a ton of offers for that that kind of price um, on the market right now. So that's not too bad. No, that's not too terrible. I would. I guess I'd be for that. I might be able to talk myself into because then wait, time out. You can buy the upper for 850. Mm-hmm. Well, you can build the fucking lower for. Less than two hundred, <laughs> two hundred bucks. Yeah, I don't. So the only thing about the let me see here, because the lower receiver, it's uh, let me see. Stick, I don't know. It seems SBA three brace. I, I'm sure you can get the Fab Defense folding pistol grip. Pretty standard lower. Miles says it's three hundred seventy-five bucks just for the adapt the adapter. It'll work with any two twenty-three barrel. They make one for three hundred eight as well. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm not gonna lie. I don't too, know too much about this subject, so I don't have a whole lot to say. <laughs> yeah, I've never really know, researched that whole thing. Cool to see. I thought it was cool because it was cool to see that there were so many people interested in it that they said, Oh, okay, fine. Let's offer it, you know, as a civilian product, which more people need to do that with H and K because I want the MP seven to be a real thing. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen, I think it's Deadfoot arms. They're actually making a, maybe I'm talking out my ass here, but I swear I saw a side folding barrel. Like the uh, the buffer tube went on one side, like it does, and then the barrel folded onto the other side, so you yeah, could put so it like a knapsack like, or something. Yeah, it was like a law folder one side, and then the barrel folded around to the other side. Well, was, actually, Deadfoot makes their own shit. They don't use law tactical stuff. Well, right, but same principle, same general idea. Yeah. Um, but, so it's like it could fit in your in your fanny pack. That's what they should call it, the fanny pack AR. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fanny packs, Sam, you know, uh, you know, Braden, my Ford? boss, my my boss's brother. Oh, yeah, he wears a fanny pack all the time now. Really? <laughs> he's just a weird dude. He says uh, he comes probably, down and bothers you all the time, and you kick him out of the shop. Watching this. Yeah, he was down. In, he was in here a while ago. He uh, he messaged me the other day. He was uh, Cerakote and some shit. Yeah, he's a weird dude. He's probably watching this. Uh, I doubt it. Um, okay, well, Johnson, do you have anything else? Or anybody else have anything to say about that? Not really. I just thought it was a thought it was a cool cool thing that uh, you know enough people asking for it. You know, a company decided to release it to the civilian market. I thought that was just kind of a cool thing. Yeah, you know me, innovation man, love it. <laughs> well, uh. While we're talking about markets, I believe this next thing 
is not. I think they're the army is testing it right now. Correct, Toad. You wanted to talk about polymer arm ammo. Uh, well, I know in 2019 the Marines were looking to source about 2.5 million rounds of polymer cased uh, 50 BMG. Now, when we were out in Shot Show. What the hell was the name of that company? Sorry, I'm all flustered now because I can't get my stuff to work correctly. If it's the same one I'm thinking of, it's called True Velocity. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So well, basically what they've done is they've like, they tried this 10 years ago, uh, and it wasn't True Velocity. It was a different company, but they made yep. these rounds, these polymer-cased rounds, and the reviews were absolutely abysmal, like just horrible. Like you could squeeze the round, and it would like – that squeeze and you could push the bullet down in the neck of the case. But I guess true velocity found a solution and apparently in testing their rounds do better than standard brass rounds as far as accuracy goes. And I, I I've looked at their cases and they're a, they're a pretty well full polymer case. And I was looking at some other ones and they're like half polymer, but like the bottom, like half an inch is brass. And the rest is actually polymer, but true velocity, it's a white case. It's true velocity on the side and it's got a big old bullet in it. So yeah. they uh, also really help with heat dissipation. Yeah. That it, it not some barrel, but it keeps your, uh, yeah, the, your yeah, chamber, chamber from overheating basically because the, the polymer case itself actually absorbs heat. Yep. They, uh, another big benefit of it with the whole next generation squad weapon um, that the you know the army is having companies you know create prototypes and stuff for is mm -hmm. it's it's a requirement that their you know that their ammo weighs less basically. Yep. So it's, yep. it's just a big weight savings for as far as somebody carrying a thousand rounds for a squad weapon. You know they don't have to carry as much weight, obviously. So that's another benefit of it. Yeah, and also that comes into play with. Uh money and transporting all that ammo overseas uh the article right. i was reading today said it costs like for to get three gallons of gas over there it costs them three hundred dollars so imagine thousands and thousands of pounds of ammunition and this cuts down the weight i think from like three thousand rounds i can't remember what round and what round it was uh yeah, three thousand rounds of some caliber, and it cut it down. It cut the weight down by nearly a thousand pounds. Yeah, for, for three thousand rounds, which I no, thought was maybe three thousand rounds. Three thousand rounds doesn't weigh a thousand pounds. What? Yeah, yeah. He's saying three thousand. You, you, it must not be three thousand rounds. Um, no, no. Because... Yeah, you're right. It's there's certain number of so many of this caliber weigh oh, okay. weigh yeah. three thousand pounds and the same number of the polymer okay weighed a thousand pounds less okay, okay. gotcha okay. But, yeah. and they uh, they match this stuff they're working with uh sierra and they throw sierra match king bullets in these so they're very high quality they're actually uh these aren't going to be reloadable is one thing and people customers can't load them themselves so you only you have to buy them but they're saying right. that they're going to be more accurate or as accurate as any hand loading 
or a hand load that anybody can do. So they're going to be great for precision shooters. Huh. So how are they manufactured? I have a hard time believing they, that. They, they, you know, they won't say. Yeah, and it just that, I mean, has, have any of you guys ever had a case blow up on you? No. Wait, not a reload, but a factory case. No. Nope. I haven't either, but uh, a friend of mine did. And it was a factory. I can't remember exactly what the brand was. I mean, obviously that would scare the shit out of you, you know, and I just get leery about a what basically amounts to a plastic case with gunpowder. Right. Well, apparently but, Toad's, on, Toad's on his way out. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. So, but... What do you mean? Yeah, you were cutting out. Really cutting out real bad, but I don't know, like, thinking that plastic case ammo is going to be more accurate than a hand load, that doesn't really make sense to me because every barrel is different. Every gun is different as far as, like, what load it likes. Like, you can have two of the exact same guns. You can take two Ruger Precisions in the same caliber, and one barrel might like, you know, three-tenths of a grain more than the other barrel. Well, yeah, but... The, you know. the thing with this, I think what they're saying is they're they're very precise about absolutely everything that they're doing, whereas in brass right. casing, it's not as precise. These are these are injection-molded polymer cases where they have it down to exact sciences. Yeah. Where, I don't know. Everything just seems they're controlling every aspect of the manufacturing process. Right. It just sounds really expensive. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be outrageously expensive. So do you think this is going to be something like uh, 50 years from now, 75 years from now, that's much, that, that it's much more prevalent to the point where like that's the majority of rounds that are made? Because, I, I mean... I'll bet it's sooner than that. I think it'll be caseless in 75 years. Didn't they try that with a 6.8 SPC a couple of years ago? Army ran a bunch of trials on it. Uh, they've run they've run caseless ammo, like G11, HK G11 ran caseless ammo. There's been, I mean, oh, so you, see, the, G, ammo, the G11 that was stacked ammunition caseless though, wasn't it? it was individually electronically fired, kind of like uh, that Metal Storm company out of Australia was trying to do. No, that was each. magazine. It was magazine fed individual. Was it? Yeah, individual rounds, magazine fed. But so how does that how does that guys, work? Oh, that's called uh, Kraut Space Magic, that gun was. It's like a fucking Swiss <laughs> yeah. watch inside of that thing. God. It had like 300 and some moving parts. It was insane. And yeah. there's a reason there's only like 11 examples of it left in existence. Because yeah. it was such a, it was a masterpiece, but at the same time, a massive failure. Yeah. So I guess when there I was hear a company. About... Sorry, Toad, go ahead. There was. There was a company out of Australia called Metal Storm, and Box, you could look this up. It's really cool, but I think we talked these... about this on the podcast at one point. If it's the yeah. same thing I'm talking, if you same thing, yeah, I'm thinking about. I might have brought it up then. But yeah, it was a stacked munition barrel, so the barrels were only good till all the munitions were gone, and each one was individually electronically detonated, so you could like. I forget what the fire rate was. It was insane. But you could fire like a million rounds a minute. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like they they showed one demonstration where they fired three thousand rounds and it went. Oh yeah, I, yep, I remember that. Yeah. 
So I guess when we talk about um, polymer cased uh, ammo, um, they're not reloadable. And I, I uh, once one, uh, not an argument, but a statement a guy put out uh, about polymer ammo is what happens when we get to the point where it's not, you know, that's where that's the main source of everybody's ammunition and it's not reloadable. Well, it's not re- not not reloadable because of what it is. It's not reloadable because of how these specific guys manufacture it and load it themselves. So there's no reason that somebody else can't come out with a different manufacturing method of it and it would be reloadable. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems weird. Like, you know, when we shoot, say you go out and have a range, you know, you go out to the range and you pick up a thousand pieces of brass, you can reload it. Well, now you're just taking a thousand pieces of, you know, you're just raking up the plastic and throwing it away. Right. Yep. Yeah. See, and that's, that was the thing that, that I don't like about it is eventually if we get to that point and it's not, and it's still not reloadable, then, you know, civilians are hosed and I don't know. That's just my thoughts on it, I guess, but maybe it's it's not like brass is just going to go completely away though. Right. Right. The, uh, my friends Johnson call me the, Whiskers. I'm just a warrior. <laughs> Johnson, the, the G11 had 450 individual parts. Yeah. That's all right. A Glock has like 35, I think. Yeah. If you, if guys, go to, uh, go to YouTube and go to Forgotten Weapons. Ian from Forgotten Weapons has a really cool video on the G11. Kind of takes it apart and goes through how it works and everything. It's really neat. It's pretty neat. It, it even says it's affectionately referred to as Kraut Space Magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like the that was like the pet name of the project was Kraut Space Magic. Oh my god. It's so ugly though. I mean, I remember playing uh back in like two thousand five this Delta Force game and one of the it was like one of the first online multiplayer Delta games Fox. I ever played in my life. And and one of the guns was the the G eleven. And I was like, Wow, this is cool, you know, and I didn't. I never knew that they actually didn't really go into production. But. Yeah. So the cool thing about that was it um, the way it cycled. It had uh, one part of the mechanism in it. The bolt was actually a rotary bolt, and they basically took the need to shoot accurately away from the person operating it because they. In burst mode, it would shoot three rounds by the time the recoil cycle completed back to your shoulder. So it was a three-round burst. It had full auto, it had semi-auto, three-round burst, and full auto. And full auto rate was fairly slow, so the cyclic rate was fairly slow, so you could control the recoil. But in three-round burst, it sounded like you were shooting semi-auto because it actually fired three rounds in the same time, like in the same recoil cycle. Yeah, they called it hyperburst. It worked. It was super cool. Huh. Interesting. Fired at two thousand rounds a minute. That's yeah, thirty three rounds per burst. second. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, uh, we were talking about manufacturing this polymer ammo. Sam, you wanted to talk about manufacturing three D firearms. Yeah. Um, actually, got me thinking, uh, Miles. Um, he's right here watching actually. Um, he posted today in the group, but he was printing up some, uh, 3d printed Glock mags, um, which I thought was interesting. Um, 
So I kind of wanted to touch a little bit on like, I mean, you guys, everybody in here is obviously familiar with 3D printed firearms. They've been around in the news for um, years. Um, but if you didn't know like a little bit of the, of the history of them, I mean, they don't have that long of a history, really. I mean, I'm sure guys ever since 3D printing has been around have kind of dreamed about doing it. But basically back in 2012 was when they really became um, mainstream. Um, this U.S.-based uh, team, Defense Distributed, uh, Cody Wilson, I believe, was the owner of that. Yeah. He, um, he made they they put out plans on the internet uh, for uh, the first 3D printed. It's just a single shot handgun. They call it the Liberator, which was, if you're not familiar, um, the the reason they named it the Liberator was because. Uh, I'm gonna see if I can find it here. It was for um, something to do about um, guns that were printed back in World War One. They weren't. They weren't. It was World War Two, and they were airdropped by uh, the Allies to the. I want to say the French and the Dutch resistance, but they were a single shot, ugly sheet metal looking thing, uh, and I believe they were chambered in 45 ACP. And I want to say. Like, I think Zippo even made some of them. Huh. But, yeah, I, I know what you're talking They call it the Liberator. But I, it was, I'm pretty sure it was a single shot, 45 ACP. But if you look at it, it looks like somebody, something somebody built in their garage when they were high on meth. <laughs> okay. It's just, it's, well, that's, I would, that's but it works. Signs come from, guys. I think that's because actually there was a lot of people, a lot of people um, building them. Um, the, actually, back in in World War Two, um, let's see. Yeah. Anyways, they were dropping a shitload of them in France uh, back in World War Two, and you know the Frenchies got overran and they needed help again. Um, anyways, back to the the reason. Back to this three D printed stuff. That's why they call it the Liberator because it's the first. It was the first three D printed single shot handgun. It was a three eighty cartridge. Um, and everything in it, I, everything in it was just um, completely 3D printed, except for the firing pin, I believe, was uh, like a roofing nail or some shit like that. Um, so anyway, this this started this whole big shit fest um, online, and the Department of Defense pretty much ended up um, shutting him down and forcing that company to um, to take the plans off the internet. Um, in 2015, defense distributor founder Cody Wilson, he sued the government on free speech grounds. And in 2018, the Department of Justice settled acknowledging Wilson's right to publish instructions for the production of 3D printed firearms. So basically, they acknowledge that they don't have a right to to um, stop this knowledge um, from right. being from being published, which I 100 percent agree with. Um and ever since then, I mean, everybody and their mom has got into doing this shit. Um, Miles, of course, uh, he's done some some pretty cool, some pretty badass shit. Chris Shanahan, actually, he just commented. Um, there, he Chris has a ton of three D printers in his house, so that's pretty badass. Um, but there, the reason why everybody's so freaking out about this, um, as far as morons that don't know how guns work. Um, like as far as AR, you can print AR lowers, um, you know, stuff. And people are like, well, 
you, that's not that's not detectable. Well, yeah, you still need metal parts to put in there. So basically, you're just printing. All you're doing is printing the serialized part, and you buy all the other shit. Um, so it's not like they're undetectable guns. Right. Um, so it's not. I don't. I never understood why people gave a crap what people build in their in their houses, anyways. But I think I think the more the more we get into this, and the more three D printing is. Uh, you know, the, the more steps it takes and the more technology that's gained, we're going to get some really freaking cool shit that you can just click go on, print, bop, done, and you get yourself a freaking badass, you know, a badass lower or a badass whole gun at some point. And there's even, um, there was, I was reading this, uh, it was just a Wikipedia article actually, and he's talking about this guy in 2013, a Texas company, Solid Contact, Solid Concepts. They made a 3D printed version of a 1911 pistol made of metal, even using an industrial 3D printer. So if you're not aware, um, they've yes, you can 3D print metal as well. And uh, supposedly, according to Johnson, when we had this conversation last time, the military has been doing it for quite some time. Yeah, so the military has been 3D printing for a very long time. Um, and the 3D printing, you know, it's and that's. You know, when we talked about it before, I know you and I talked about it. It uh, a lot of technology trickles down from the military because they have the money to do the R and D on it, or pay people to do R and D for things like that. Whereas private companies don't generally have the capital to to kind of you know right. do all the research required. Um, right. But yeah, three D printing is very prevalent in the military. Um, even metallic three D printing. So they'll do like three D printing of stainless steel and other kinds of steel, and um, basically like on on big ships, on like warships and stuff. You know, they don't want to. It takes up a lot of room to have all the spare parts that they may need. Whereas if they have raw material and then can can three can 3D print the parts that they need, you know, that's that's a lot more effective for, for space than than uh, having right. than having all the spare parts. So they've been they've been doing that for a while. So um, right. eventually, you know, that that technology is gonna be a little more widespread and therefore the cost of that, you know, 3D printing and metal will come down. So you know, it'll eventually get there, but it, it it always takes a while. Right. And the, uh, the, I think the most exciting thing to me was, um, right in this Wikipedia article, the first, uh, you know, they got the history of it is the first section. And the second se section is effect on gun control and they and immediately go into that. Um, but I think the, the coolest thing about this is eventually, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, 3d printing is going to get so, so awesome that basically your gun control is going to be, excuse my French, but fucking worthless. Um, right. I just had a guy yesterday message me. Um, he saw that I was, I was uh, selling those um, 30 round magazines and he messages, Hey, uh, I'm in a behind enemy line state. Can you ship me some, some uh, magazines, man? I'd love to, but dude, I, I, I I'm a small business. I cannot afford to pay a freaking lawyer when I get in trouble. I'm sorry, buddy. 10 years from now, you know, when 3D printers are cheap as dirt and the technology is there, 
press go on your freaking go on your 3D printer, guess what? You got yourself you got yourself a magazine you didn't have to buy from somebody else. Right. So, you know, that that I think that effect that that angle of this whole thing to me is is the most exciting thing because they're not going to be able to none of this bullshit, you know, you can't have 30 round mags. Well, and that's in that kind of scenario, you need to message that guy back and say, "Hey, find a friend of yours that lives on the nearest border, you know, in the next neighboring state, make friends with somebody, I'll ship it to them." You can go pick some bitch up. Yeah, and I, and it's stupid. I googled their uh their that state's law, and it's not illegal for them to. Well, if if they go out of state, basically they can get them. Obviously, so right. it's like what's the you know what's the point? But like, how far how far do you think this is gonna go? Like, as far as three D printing, and Chris, uh, you're a lot far more knowledgeable on the subject. Um than i am but like how far do you think this is go this is going to go because eventually like if you look at the g44 which obviously had um a lot of problems initially but that's since dwindled but the reason i bring that up is it has a mostly polymer a mostly polymer slide so are we going to get to the point uh, um with polymer technology that you will be able to 3d print a frame you will be able to 3d print a slide um you know, eventually, eventually, I mean, it sounds ludicrous to say, but eventually, you know, a barrel, you know, down the road, I doubt, you know, that seems, seems crazy right now, but a lot of the shit that we're doing right now seemed absolutely, you know, insane 30 years ago too. So, you know, where do you think this is all going to go? It's, that's an interesting topic and you could really go down the rabbit hole with it, but that's all depend. you know, it's all dependent on the technology getting better, which tech, everybody knows that technology expands, um, you know, exponentially technology goes crazy, but I don't know. It depends on how long the United States stays a free country. You know, and that's what, as far as you could go down the rabbit hole, there's so many things that could change between now and when that is a viable option. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, and the, the way shit's going right now, this is even proof, more proof to me that we need this shit. We need this technology because right. some of the shit that's going on in the name of an emergency, suddenly your the bill of rights is just suspended. Well, I'm going to go off for 10 minutes if you guys don't stop me. So we better just move on to the next subject because this shit drives me absolutely insane. What's going on right now. So Um, box. I know you wanted to talk about Birchwood Casey. Now, is there like a, a particular, I just wrote that down to remind myself. Oh, okay. Actually, (laughs) I don't want to talk about them at all. Actually, I went, I went to their, site to look for what i wanted to talk about on there and then i figured hey there's got to be other companies making this yeah uh do we want to do we want to get into it we are at 52 minutes right now do we want to start another subject or yeah yeah wait wait, making what okay fine well uh 3d targets okay uh, which i think is something we should look into because 
every person I hear that's shot at a 3D target or like a rubber dummy or something like that, or they even just throwing a shirt on your target, they say it feels completely different than just pointing your gun at a cardboard, cardboard square. Yeah. So I was looking into I, him. I once I once watched a guy shoot a, a rubber dummy target ball with a 12 gauge and it flew like 150 yards. <laughs> that was just the ball. So was that you that shot that? Who shot that? That was Sam. That was, Sam. That, thing was, that was awesome. <laughs> but I, uh, anyways, these, instead of the rubber dummies, they're making their, these, they're kind of like cardboard. I don't I'm not sure what they are. They're just recycled material, pressed material or something. Yeah. This one other company, uh, Pre Precision 3D Targets, you can get 10. They make them so you can get a front and a back, so it's a complete torso, you know? And you can get 10 of the front only for 175 or you can get the 10 of the front and, and the back for 275 I'm not sure how long those would last. Probably not very long, I would imagine. They're just those recycled material kind of cardboardy yeah. things. So then I got back to looking into the the rubber dummies, and last I remember they were very expensive, like five hundred dollars. And I went onto their site, and you can get a body for one hundred and forty five dollars. They're not that bad, yeah. No, so you can get a body for one hundred and forty five bucks. Yeah, it's not like the complete torso or anything. It's not. It's just like the front half of it. Yeah. But yeah, it's the whole from the, like the top of the groin up. And Sign they have like the starter kit too. Um, that's like the toward the rubber dummy and the stand that it goes on. And then like I don't remember, it's got like spray paint. It comes with paint and some kill shot pack, which I don't know what the fuck that is. I, I think it's it like just it like tax like packet that you put in the head for Yeah. Uh, oh but that's two hundred and forty bucks. That's yeah, really not that bad for a target that's going to last a long, long time. They say between four and 5,000 shots. Yeah. Which is quite a few. So let's get one. So, so what you're saying is like it lasts for about two range days because after we get done, Sam decides to empty every mag he ever loaded that day. <laughs> right? No. It was, well, I forgot ammo. Can I get uh, 100 rounds from you? Yep. Okay. End of the day, doesn't matter. He's still empty in every round. He's usually the first to shoot, too, you know, when none of us have ear protection on but him. Doesn't tell us. It's like, <laughs> oh, range's hot. Bam. Oh, everybody's taking their headphones off and is uh, picking up. Let me uh, go mag dump this. <laughs> <laughs> Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. So here's the deal. We're going to get one of these one of these rubber dummies, and then we're going to – we're gonna make a video about it, and the song and the the song over the top of the video is gonna be "Rubber Dummy." You're so fun, you make range time. What so the, the rubber, fuck you are know, you talking you know about? Ducky, the Rubber Ducky song, Rubber yeah, Ducky. Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid I'm not familiar. Oh yeah, you don't know the Rubber Ducky song? Why would I? I'm 30 years old and I don't have kids. Kids. You didn't have a TV when you were growing up, did you? I forgot. No, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, he knows it. <laughs> Sam's a creep, though. Well, okay. Well. <laughs> Maybe true, that. but that's beside the point. <laughs> he has a whole Pandora station for that shit. So, if Sam, you guys did, really... you, did you uh, did you like my uh, comment on your status on Facebook earlier? 
Johnson's wife was like, no, nah, I'm curious. And I was like, some things just aren't meant to be seen. And it's true. They're not, it's not meant to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> but really, if you guys want to get one of these dummies, we can. I mean, does it, does it, do they show shots very well? Like after, yes, like, you paint them white and then it, it kind of burns the area around it. Well, so it it's immediately. Flakes like, off. Yeah. Too, it'll be like, you'll see like the black rubber. Yep. Well, you got to just paint it every time after you shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. Just self-healing type shit. Which, and it's not like it needs to dry. Like the paint needs yeah. to dry. Yeah. Well, yeah. You don't have to sand it down to 320 and a scotch <laughs> right every time. Jesus nope. Christ. All right. I'm game. We can get one. What'd you say? Like 150 bucks for just for the front torso? Yeah. 145. Why would you want the back? Like, are you training to shoot people in the back? No, that's just if you're tra shooting from more extreme angles. They come in handy for, like, close quarter combat and shit like that, training and knife fighting, all sorts of different fucking scenarios. Uh, so, Sage Dynamics so, Sage yeah, Dynamics yeah. Have a, has a video on using 3D targets, Sam, that you should look into, and he explains it. Gives you a better idea. He uses cardboard 3D targets, though. Cardboard 3D targets? Yeah. These, uh, the 2.0 versus, so the the standard rubber one is 145, and the rubber dummy 2.0 is 175. So the, the 2.0, they just say are thicker to stand up for more rounds. Huh, interesting. It didn't really look that much yeah, thicker, though. <laughs> Maybe like an inch and a half. Well, and that's, I think, you know, I think it's just to keep the exit wounds from tearing out so fast, you know, and just, <laughs> just keep it up to more. Chris, you know. Chris, if you want to spend the money on a rubber dummy and the tannerite, we will definitely shove a pound, a half pound of tannerite in it. Yep. <laughs> I, I feel like we don't make any money from this, so... <laughs> <laughs> Not real budget wish, friendly to I just saw... blow up one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, I wish I saw that video of that tree that we stuck. Uh, you guys weren't there. This has been probably about six years ago, but we bought some of those giant shockwave targets with like I think they were like six pounds. Okay, so is somebody is somebody listening to the Sesame Street shit? I can yeah, hear it in the, the background. And it's driving here. me crazy. Hold on a second. Gosh. <laughs> he whispers. <laughs> uh, hey! But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we stuck in a tree and, like, it was a pretty big old dead ash tree and it took the whole thing down. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah we, we're talking about brands of exploding target that are far better than others. You know, like, Tannerite, off-the-shelf Tannerite isn't that great. You get, like, some K2 or some, you know, there's some there's some good ones out there with a little extra pop. What's that one Tony always gets? That's K2, isn't it? K2, yeah. Isn't K2 a drug? <laughs> yes. It's, uh, like, a synthetic marijuana. It's not yeah. good. People always go, like, brain dead after smoking it. Sounds like uh, a great time. People that, like, jump out of windows and shit when they're on it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you guys wow. wanted... Not even a joke. That's real. That was a real situation for a while. There was yeah. a lot of cases of I people. Just... <laughs> so you guys want to? What was that? 
what was that drug people were like eating other people's faces on a couple years bath ago? Bath salts. Bath salts. That's what it was, yeah. So you guys want to do they... some K2 and shoot some Tannerite? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the next podcast no. is going to be LSLF on K2. <laughs> <laughs> that would make for an interesting, you know, we, interesting deal. We haven't... We haven't talked about it in a while. I know we did before, but uh, we still need to do like a primitive range day. Yes, we do. There's a lot of things we need to do. I did. I did. I did find my uh, my recurve too. So I was, I was shooting it out the farm the other day. So I, mean, yeah, I, I got, got the recurve. And... I got mine in the back of my closet. It's got a, yeah. the string. The string is like apparently broke years ago. So now it's like we got a piece of rope tied to the string oh, and it the fixes the, the finishes up the end of it <laughs> yeah we're gonna use mine because it has an actual string <laughs> uh, but yeah we need we need like three tomahawks and, and a longbow so <sighs> yeah we'll figure it out someday yeah Chris says tide pods on him well he said tide pods <laughs> oh shit that's awesome we'll go to colorado and uh, and have a uh edibles podcast oh boy. boy no thank you i feel like that get, uh, that'd get weird in a hurry that, that'd last by <laughs> it'd just be seven hours of sam sitting on the kitchen counter somewhere and yeah. johnson be laying on the floor i'd probably be thrown up uh, <laughs> box would box would be out robbing a bank or some shit no i'd be in the corner staring at it or something <laughs> standing in the middle of the room staring straight at the light wow maybe crying Fox and vomiting on myself imagining boxes over in the corner petting an imaginary cat <laughs> okay well, this got weird yeah this has gone down <laughs> downhill real quick guys <laughs> okay so we're over an hour um i guess we're gonna call it because i don't see this going anywhere good from here yeah this is not constructive <laughs> at this point <laughs> so uh this is kind of a rough episode at least it started off rough and kind of ended rough too made it, made it full circle <laughs> yeah it yeah, really circle. came all the way around <laughs> and uh thanks everyone for watching and stopping by if you're new here and you want to watch the rest of this episode obviously you can watch it back on facebook or you can check it out when we post it on youtube which i do a terrible job of keeping updated with and it'll be up on all our podcast providers all the major podcast providers and uh i don't know what else to say damn take it away no no yep. that's uh, about it ladies and gents thanks for stopping by we appreciate it um yeah, we're on the we're on the tail end of this whole uh bullshit virus thing, I guess, guys. So keep on Hopefully. keeping on. Keep the faith. Well uh like like I've been saying since it started, we'll get through this. Come on on the come on, on the other side a little bit better, hopefully. So anyways, guys, we'll be back in two weeks. Make sure you check out our podcast uh for the for the rest of the time. We got plenty of episodes to, to keep you entertained. And uh yeah. Are you not entertained? Probably not. Till <laughs> next time. Uh, remember, life short, live free. God bless and God bless America.